0: guys, welcome back to Floral
1: Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And today we are joined by a special guest, which we say about all of our guests, but They are all special. They are all special. My cousin Jake. Hello. Welcome. I was thinking that we've had my sister on the podcast, but none of your family members. So Uh, yeah, you beat my sister. She might actually be mad about this. Congrats on being
0: (laughs) Alyssa's first family member. I'm
2: honored to be the first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Emily, how has your week been? How was your weekend? It's been good. Weekend
0: was good. Went to a wedding that was beautiful. Yeah. And it's been a long week. Not to do like a office workplace conversation, <laughs> but I feel like it's it was supposed to be Thursday today and it's Wednesday. I felt the
1: same way all yep. week. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so this weekend I went to my 10-year-old cousin's birthday party and he's very into like motorcycles and like racing and all of that stuff. And so I was like, what should I get him? Oh, I'll get him tickets for the X Games. And so I texted his mom to figure out if they were free that weekend before I bought them. And so I texted his mom and was like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm thinking about buying Tanner tickets to the X Games for his birthday. And I get a text back that says, yeah, that'd be good, but good was spelt like God and it had like a random comma in it and i was like that's weird she's usually super particular about how she texts so i texted back as like tanner question mark thinking he had her phone was that you i saw the spelling mistake and then i get a text back saying no sorry just forgot the o like nothing spelled wrong and so i was like oh, so maybe it wasn't him that's so weird but okay i don't want to like judge her for spelling things wrong. So his birthday present, because I didn't have the physical tickets, I like got a little um, like Travis Pastrana, like motorcycle thing and said, can you guess where we're going? And so when he opened it, I was like, where are we going? He goes, the X Games. And I was like, oh, how'd you guess that right away? He goes, I don't know. I was like, oh, is it because you texted me via your mom's phone? And then he was like, so proud and smug. <laughs> I was like, so mad. I was like,
0: dude, let me surprise you. <laughs> Wait, so can you go still? Like, I I feel like you were leading up to. I thought you were going to say that they weren't
1: able to go. No. They he can go. Okay, good. He <laughs> just and well and then I found out too cuz his mom had no idea this was happening. And she's like, "Wait, is that when I asked if you were calling your dad?" And he goes, "Yeah, that's when I had your phone and was texting Alyssa."
2: <laughs> a little stinker. Oh my
1: gosh. Had us all fooled.
2: <laughs> well played.
1: You're such yeah. a thoughtful present giver. You are. Oh my gosh. Always. I feel like it's easier to buy for like children though, but yeah. not for like I'm bad at like buying presents for like friends. But yeah, that was my weekend.
2: <laughs> Tanner.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> we have so many cousins. Yes. <laughs> every, every day it's like my cousin did this or I'm going to my cousin's thing. And I, I have several cousins, but I feel like not as many and they, none of them. Like yours are out our of state, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like not close with them. So it's nice that you have
1: that. Yeah.
2: I think we have a pretty tight family.
1: We do. We get together for everything, but it's good times. Anyway,
2: <laughs>
1: getting into the episode. <laughs> yeah. We have Jake here to talk about kind of your entire life. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's what we be do. Quick. We just <laughs> have people on. They tell us their life story. Yeah. So I guess starting out, do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, growing up in a small town and kind of having a mixed family and what that experience was like
2: uh well small town life is pretty typical you know everybody knows everybody and everyone knows everyone's dirt yeah (laughs) and uh, you know there's no traffic you don't got to worry about locking your doors every time you get out of your car to go in for gas or whatever small little things like that things you don't recognize until you, you, moved moved to to the, yeah, so you moved to <laughs> St. Paul. you moved to St. Paul. And your car gets broken into,
0: right. your house gets broken into. Yeah. just to name a few things off the top
1: of our heads. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> it's happened Those have to both us. happened yeah, to
2: no. <laughs> uh, And then, you know, uh, I have three brothers, all full-blood brothers, and I was raised with two stepsisters who I, con- I don't consider them step-siblings since we were raised together. So it was a house of eight, in a little town, I feel like I was family with half the school that I went to. I graduated with, like, my graduating class was, I think, like 65 people. Uh, so then, you know, as I started getting older and people started saying, yeah, my graduating class was 1,100. And I'm like, no, dude, you're lying. Like, <laughs> no, I'm saying your class. No, yeah, 1,100. What? Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> how old were you when Amber and Amanda... Moved in, or when you all moved to your house?
2: I was in third grade when my dad moved all of us into Medford with April and the kiddos. Uh, it was like the end of third grade and okay. ever since. And then I think I moved out at 18 by choice. Before I graduated, I did not get along very well with my parents. So when I turned 18, I decided. I I thought I'd be a healthier mindset for me to not be around them on a regular basis. So I moved in with a a friend of mine and actually we're still friends now. And you'll be hearing more about this friend as I continue to tell my life story, obviously.
1: So you're leading us into, I think, my (laughs) next question. And that is, so you committed a crime that led to prison. Can you kind of walk us through what happened? What led in up to that?
2: Yeah, so um, like I said, I, I moved out of my parents and I moved in with my best friend Ryan. I lived with him and his mom for about a year. His mom is really cool to me. She kind of treated me like a son. So that was cool. And uh, eventually I kind of overstayed my welcome there. And I don't know if you call it getting kicked out or leaving before I got kicked out. But I, I left there as well. And I moved into Otana. Uh, I rented an apartment above a hair salon across the street from a park okay. really cool location right downtown And I was living there by myself for I don't know maybe about a half a year and then it got I was working at a grocery store at Hy-Vee and then um, It got to a point where my best friend that I was living with he wanted to move out of his mom's too So I was like well come live with me, but I got room. Yeah, so that was the plan. So the night of the whole debacle, like that whole week, my my buddy was staying at my place, and then I had a couple other friends over for a few nights during that week too. And so we were all just hanging out, pretty much, just partying the whole week, just
1: as you just, do, just yeah.
2: being young, dumb, <laughs> bum kids, and not not caring about the future or nothing. And then uh, we had a a weed man come over and he was like, dude, I just robbed my girlfriend's neighbor. <laughs> I'm going to come over. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool, man. So he got there and we were smoking weed and we were crushing Xanax and snorting them. By the way, if any of you that are listening to this do Xanax, slap your wrist because that's awful. Shame on you. <laughs> Don't do Xanax.
1: I didn't even know that was a thing. That yeah. shows how little I know about drugs. But
2: Xanax is a dirty drug. It's cheap and it's... Garbage, and then on top of that, we were drinking booze as well, which also is not like not supposed to mix with Xanax, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's the worst possible thing to mix with Xanax. So it got to the point where it was me, my best friend, our weed dealer, and then another buddy of ours and his girlfriend. So there's all five of us just hanging out in my apartment, and the weed man's like, dude. Because he used to live with these this, this weed dealer, this other weed dealer, right? Because <laughs> they're all friends, <laughs> right. as you would imagine. Because <laughs> why not? So he still had the key for the place that we robbed because he lived there and sold weed with them out of that house. So he was like, yeah, they just picked up their whatever, they like a pound or whatever they were picking up, and they, they've got their rent cash all stashed away. Let's go grab that from them. So being all messed up. I was like, sure, why not? I can't see how this could go bad. (laughs) So we all five drove over to this house. Actually, before we even went to that house, we went to some other random house that one of the people that I was with knew a friend of a friend of a friend or something who owned this house. And so we all went there first and took a bunch, just stupid shit, like a box of DVDs and some pictures off the wall and a microwave. Just stupid shit. (laughs) no one was in that home and then we went to the next home which had six people currently in it sleeping when we got there Uh, like i said we had the key so we just walked on in and there was a guy there that we weren't expecting to be there so he was sleeping downstairs on the couch so like for a moment we were all five standing around this guy who's sleeping on this couch we are all talking like, oh, crap, dude, what should we do? Should we just bail out or what should we do? And then he must have hurt us and he moved a little bit. And this is when things went south. Uh, one of the guys I was with started hitting him in the leg with a bat several times. Um, and we told him to not open his mouth, you know, stay quiet or, or else. So we, uh, one of us tied his wrist behind his back. And then two of us carried him down to the basement. And I stayed there with him the whole remainder of the time. I stayed there. I did. I had a gun in my hand. It did not have ammo. Um, I just basically just hung out with him and I was talking to him and I was. I got him some cardboard to lay on instead of the cold cement. Grabbed him a pillow and a blanket. Tried to make him comfortable because I felt awful. I still feel awful about it. But I was just talking to him like he was a military vet and I'm like I was like. Dude, I'm really sorry, man. Like honestly, I just I didn't I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here (laughs) so I was just talking to him and I Don't know I guess trying to make him feel Not so bad (laughs) like that would have worked and then I heard footsteps like loud footsteps coming down the step or down from the base uh, upstairs and that's where everyone else had went to wake everyone else up and when I heard that, I just bounced and left the guy in the basement. And then, one of the guys that I was with took all the cell phones, and they all have GPS tracking. So when we got back to my apartment to like check out all the all the loot, about twenty minutes after we got there, there was a cop parked out front, and we were all like, "Oh crap! There's a cop! They know it! They're onto us!" But some of us were like, "No, dude! They're just like on regular old patrol. They're just..." Posted up there, and then eventually a cop came knocking. Actually, before that, uh, the weed man he left out. He went out to his car to get something, and we didn't see him for a while. Well, it turned out he got tackled into a bank of snow by a cop, and he got arrested right away. And then it waited a while, and then a cop came up and knocked on my door, and I was an idiot, and I just said, "Sure, come on in and search the place," when I knew we had all this stolen shit. So. That was dumb but yeah so they ended up kind of talking to all of us one at a time yeah and started arresting us one at a time the boyfriend and girlfriend got arrested next and then me and then my best friend actually didn't get arrested that night he got arrested a couple months later because one of the people that i was with told on him okay so that kind of sucked uh but fun Fun fact about being arrested there at that time was my neighbor when I was growing up who I had the biggest crush on his daughter, like I still do. Like Kristen Walensky, hit me up. What's up? <laughs> 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 but uh, Of course, so my- her last name is Ski. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <Polox>.
1: <laughs> Jake's last name also ends in Ski. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All
2: right. So, uh yeah. So, my hot neighbor's dad was a cop and he was there to arrest me and so that was super awkward i couldn't even look at him in the eyes (laughs)
1: it's probably not going to ship that uh eventual relationship (laughs) 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 so explain the
0: gps thing again because how did they know where you were based on your
2: because even if you turn the phone off like if you set up your phone correctly, you can set it up to where, if it is stolen, you can track it regardless if it's off. Basically- Oh, it, so you took their phone. We took their the, okay, phones, gotcha. yeah, yep. And they just turned, and I yeah. guess one of the guys I was with missed one of their laptops. So as soon as we left, he just pulled up his laptop and called the, the cops and told them exactly where we were. Gotcha.
1: So then you got taken to jail. At what point were you like, this is really serious like did you know that night as it was happening or like feel it sounds like a whirlwind
2: it was yeah uh that night it was pretty i mean i was still coming down from drinking and taking stupid drugs uh but yeah that night was kind of a blur it wasn't until the next morning actually when i the first one of the first things they do in the jail is have a like a therapist ask you a a a series of questions to determine your self-risk factor or whatever, like to see if you're uh, suicidal or not. And clever me, I thought I was funny, and she asked me, do you feel like hurting yourself or anything like that? And I was like, no, but if I'm here long enough, I might. Just like joking. And that didn't work out for me because they put me on suicide watch for two weeks. I had to wear, I didn't get any underwear. I just had one ugly green... They call it the turtle suit like and a
1: nightgown type
2: it, it, I, it's not even a gown. It's like a thick padded. I don't even know. Like just a thick thick padding vest that is like a gown. And so I, I had to stay in the intake unit instead of going to one of the regular units where there was more freedoms and TV and stuff. So I had to stay in this intake unit for Extra time because I made a stupid joke. And so
1: then how long did it take to? Be sentenced and at what point did you know you were going to prison for a while
2: Um, well when I was When I got into jail, I ended up doing 14 months in the county jail before I went to prison before I was convicted uh, which is really abnormal apparently uh, a lot of people are only in there for, like, four to six months while they're waiting for their s- sentence. And a lot of people, like, if you're sentenced and you have less than a year, if you have 365 days on your sentence, you serve that all in a county jail. Okay. But if you have 366 days, anything more than one year, you serve that in prison. So people who only had sentences of less than a year were also there. But a lot of people were, like, telling me, a lot of older guys, oh, you know, I've been in the system, you, you'll you be fine, they, they're going to drop this stuff, they'll just give you a slap on the wrist. And some other people were like, nah man, you're doing 10 years, buckle up, <laughs> start working out. So I was really torn, but eventually I just stopped listening to people because I realized that all these people are in here too, they're obviously... They got their own issues, so not going to take all their advice, especially when I'm hearing so much different, different stories. But uh, I think probably like five or six months into it, I was really starting to hurt. Like I was like missing family and missing real life. And I was realizing like this isn't going to be quick. It's not going to be fun or easy or none of that. So I just I just was content with it I guess. I mean not not happy about it obviously, but I was, I was just I came to terms with it pretty quick quickly I think. And actually at that point I started becoming excited about going to prison because prison exact as actually a lot better than jail as far as freedoms like the jail that I was in, we call it the bird cage. That's the outside area that you get to go to. That's the only little bit of outside that you get to see. And it is a probably like a 20 foot by 20 foot little square with cement walls that are about 15 feet high. And then it's completely enclosed by a cage top. So (laughs) not much of an outside area versus prison. There's like a whole, I don't know, maybe like a quarter of an acre, like a yard with a track and Mm -hmm. a football field in the middle. And they got weights outside and they have like. Racket balls and tennis balls and sports that you can actually Do something <laughs> instead yeah, of walk around time. in a circle and shoot the shit with these idiots that you don't even know or like
1: So did you plead guilty? When it came to sentencing
2: Eventually, but I was offered two other plea bargains before I pled guilty one was like 120 months and I said no to that immediately and then the next one, I think, was like 85 months or something like that, which I hesitated about. And my t- lawyer told me, no, don't take that. So I waited. And that's why it took me so long to go to prison. That's why I had to stay in jail so long was because I kept de- declining these plea bargains. And so, you know, the court process, it just takes time. Yeah. And then uh, the last, the third one, yeah, I finally said okay because if I would have denied the third one then I would have went to a trial which brings up all the evidence and the witnesses and basically if you take a uh, a case to trial it costs the courts a lot of extra money versus a plea bargain Mm -hmm. so they don't like you already so now they're going to try and throw the book at you and if you are guilty like I already knew I was guilty obviously Mm -hmm. They would have, they probably, I probably would have gotten that 120 months. So yeah, I'm definitely glad I took that. I think it was like a 58 months that I ended up pleading guilty to.
1: Okay. Did you serve all of that?
2: I served 37 of 58. Okay. And that last, thir- it's supposed to, in Minnesota, you serve two thirds of your sentence and then the rest of it is good time. Now, if you mess up in prison and you're constantly getting in trouble, they'll take away your good time. So instead of being outside of prison for that good time, you're, you're serving it. Now, the good time that you don't serve in prison, that's the amount of time that you're on parole after prison.
1: Okay. I didn't know. I thought it was like a case-by-case case that you served two-thirds of your sentence. I didn't know that was like an actual law.
2: I know there's some, some like obviously I, I think murder... Like right, serious different crimes. Different Some yeah.
1: different cases.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. But uh, yeah. I ended up. I was charged. I think I had like, seventeen felony charges. But all, a lot of them were multiples because there were six victims. So I'd have six charges, of the same crime, and eventually I pled guilty to, first degree burglary, second degree assault, and second degree burglary. But I was also charged with false imprisonment which is when you withhold somebody from leaving a a place versus kidnappings when you force somebody to leave a place. Mm -hmm. So since I was charged with this false imprisonment, though I was not convicted of it, they dropped it off the charges, I still have to register as a predatory offender. Let me repeat that. A predatory offender, not a sex offender. These are two different things. But it is a 10-year registration that I have to continually... Like I, I just, I just had to do my annual report actually just last week. So
1: what are the stipulations (laughs) like being registered as a predatory? Is there anything you can't do or go any places you can't go?
2: No, it's It's really actually, it's really basic. It's just, I have to update all of my life changes, anything major, any vehicles that are registered in my name. I need to update my address when I move, any phone numbers, whether I'm married or not. A few other things, but it's it's nothing like I have to go in and take a piss test every month or I don't have phone calls on a regular basis. Nobody comes and knocks on my door at 2 a.m. to try and catch me by surprise or anything. Mm-hmm. It's super, super basic. But if I don't comply, it's up to a five year prison sentence. So I'm going to just go ahead and keep on reporting. <laughs> I would, <it> like <laughs> it good. Yeah.
0: Do you know what happened to the rest of the guys that were there that night?
2: Of my co-defendants you mean like the people that committed the crime with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the boyfriend and girlfriend, I don't know I haven't seen any evidence, but from what I collect They both helped the cops out do some drug busts. So they got reduced sentences And then my weed dealer that kind of started the the whole kind of started the whole damn thing um, He got the worst he got 68 months and then I got fifty-eight months. And then the my best bud, who was arrested later, he got fifty-seven months. So we we're we we're pretty close anyway. And then um, the boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't know what they're doing now, but I think they're married with kids. Oh. Pretty sure. So good for them oh, that worked yeah. out. <laughs> apparently.
1: <laughs> Wake up call. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and then the weed man. He's. He's a Twitch streamer. He plays video games all day, every day. (laughs) I was
0: like, I don't know. It's a lucrative career.
2: It can be, but I don't get it. It's not my thing, but I won't, (laughs) I won't judge.
0: It's basically like sometimes they stream it on YouTube, but it's like specifically for streaming video games. Like Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah,
2: That's a big Mm -hmm. one that he plays a lot. I assume you only
0: know this because of your husband. No, actually. i oh, just heard of it. Sorry to discount your knowledge. I watch a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> Okay. random people. So. Okay. Oh.
2: So, yeah, he's kind of just <laughs> bumming right now, playing video games all day. Uh, my best friend is actually, when he was in prison, he took a class f- and got his, I forget what the, it's called. It's like the American Standard Welding Certificate or something, oh, yeah. basically.
0: I know someone who has that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so,
2: so he got out. Actually, it's a really well-credited accomplishment. So he's he's got a good job. He he makes good money and yeah, he,
0: welding also pays a lot. He yeah. he likes
2: what he does, so that he's doing well too. Good. And then me, I've just been trying to keep my nose up and I got into a marriage and then into a divorce. And I've I don't know, I've been trying to find myself, I guess. You yeah. know, I mean isn't that that's what Aren't life we is, all? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I'm just trying to constantly Improve and just be conscious of my future now, you know, now that I'm an adult and stuff (laughs) All that fun shit. (laughs) Yeah
1: I want to keep talking about your future and post-prison life But I have a couple more questions about prison if that's okay. Yes. What is something that people would be surprised (laughs) about prison life? I feel like it's portrayed a lot on TV shows or movies like what's something that you wouldn't know until you experience it?
2: Well, I mean you see gang violence in the TV That's real. I saw that. Um, You see, like, extortion and, like, abusing sex offenders. I've seen that. The prison hooch. That's a real thing. Trust me. I know. (laughs) Uh, I have been blackout drunk in prison several times, actually. (laughs) How did the
1: guards, like, not catch it?
2: Because prisoners are more clever. (laughs) (laughs)
1: so my mom was a prison guard for a long time and yeah like i feel like it's creative like they would hide um fruit in like the heat vents so that it would like ferment Ferment and stuff Mm -hmm. is that how they make it most of the time
2: uh fermentation yeah we used to use ketchup packets we'd get a potato from the kitchen some kool-aid from the canteen and then you just Make it all mix it all up in real hot water and then you just pour it into little pop bottles and just burp it as it Gases up for a few weeks and then you got yourself some quality hooch Creative (laughs) i will for sure get That that. that's probably my answer to your question actually something that people might be surprised about in real life prison the creativity of inmates it just it's so unbelievable because a lot of people are in there for their whole entire rest of their lives. So if they get used to doing something, you know, they like to make their little hooch now and then, get a little buzz on. Well, now, if the guards go and stop that somehow, however they think they can, well, now this inmate that's serving the rest of his life in prison, he's going to find something new, one way or another. Right, what Whether else are it's, going to focus on? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the creativity is just off the charts. Not only in the aspect of being conniving and trickery like that, but also like the artists I've met in prison, some of the tattoo artists or just like people drawing, I uh, just blown away like constantly. There's so much waste of talent in, inside of prisons. It's a shame.
1: If only it could be harnessed and.
2: But that's up to them to harness that. Right, <laughs> it's true. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, that was going to be my next question: Is how many tattoos did you get in
2: prison? I got. One, two. I gave myself a scar tattoo, so there's no ink, but it's a shape. (laughs) (laughs) It's stupid. Uh, And then so I think three total ink tattoos, but one of them is a cluster of several small ones. So and that one I did myself. Okay. They're pretty shoddy, though. I wouldn't suggest getting prison tattoos
1: (laughs) it's not on like the immediate like five-year plan but i'll let you know you never know you never know i'm gonna try not to commit any more tattoos i do but i'm willing to pay a tattoo artist that's i have a tattoo gun i got you (laughs) i think i have to go to rachel first but yeah okay fair enough
0: (laughs) is there Um, anyone that you keep in touch with that you met in prison
2: um not that i didn't know before just actually the only two that I keep in touch with and not very often, especially not of, as of lately. Uh, my best friend, obviously, who lives about 15 minutes away from where I used to live. And then uh, the weed man. Because where else am I going to get weed? <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Have you seen
1: any of, I guess, the victims since?
2: No. Uh, But I do have a cousin who is actually very close friends with one of them.
1: Yeah, have you ever thought about like reaching out or apologizing or did you ever get a chance to do that?
2: I actually did try to I attempted to while I like Right when I got to prison, I was talking to my council worker like caseworker or whatever And I asked her what kind of ways I could do to reach out to my victims and to apologize and try and just you know, I obviously an apology is one thing, but it really can't take away what we did. And I understood that. But I was trying to at least, you know, do something to make them realize that I'm, I'm conscious of what I did and know that I was wrong. And they shot me down. They told me, no, I couldn't do it. They said, if you want, if you want the feelings to be out, then just write it down as if you were writing them a letter, but you can't send it to them. So, I was kind of bummed out about that.
1: So, you're not allowed to make contact or at least just not while in prison.
2: Not while I was in okay. prison. I don't know what the terms are now, but now I'm over it. I don't have any I mean, I I've, I've tried. So, Yeah. Like if the system is going to tell me that I can't apologize, then all right, have it your way.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, at least you expressed that you wanted to apologize. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you have, um, pretty open access in prison to, like, therapists, etc.? You mentioned a counselor. I guess I don't know what that Um, exactly means.
2: Actually, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure yes, uh, but I never sought one. I just, I've seen a psychologist for many years when I was younger. Probably about a decade, actually. So... Anything that prison taste, yeah, exactly. Anything that prison would have had to offer me was probably just like one of those. Oh, sure, Mm -hmm. and how does that make you feel? (laughs) So I'd rather just not waste my time.
1: Yeah, gotta find the right therapist if you're gonna do it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So after prison, you did your parole in Seattle, right?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: What was the hardest part about transitioning back into like, I guess, the real world, like workforce, etc.?
2: I guess I never really realized it like I never figured out like I never thought I had any problems okay uh, getting back into the real world I just feel like I had such a different attitude when I got out of prison to just better myself and be productive and not go back to my old high school just a straight little bum punk ass donor kid I didn't want to be that guy anymore mm-hmm. so I was trying to I was giving my all to everything I did I still do now But when I got out there, I started working. I found a job on Craigslist. And actually, this job is very dear to me still. I worked there for the whole three and a half years. I lived in Washington. And it was a small family-owned roofing company. And it was run out of my boss's property, like his house. So that was kind of neat. It was a real unique job experience. Uh, My boss had pipe bipolar so that was a new experience for me i never had to deal with that and deal with that i did because we got into it quite a few times um i've never had such a love hate relationship like Mm -hmm. i honestly some days i was like god i wish this guy was my dad and other (laughs) days i was like wow i wish this guy would screw himself and go the (laughs) Yeah, and just go away. (laughs) Sorry, you're gonna have to edit a lot of this (laughs) But yeah that that job was really cool, but uh, eventually during one of our arguments He thought he and I don't know if it was just to make my feelings hurt or if he was being genuine when he said it But he told me that I was institutionalized like and I don't even know exactly what he meant by that but I think he was saying that Like I thought I knew what real life was, I thought I knew what I was doing, but really I didn't. But yeah, I mean, I never thought that I really had any problems. I I got out there, I got a job right away actually. I didn't need to worry about finding a home to rent because I was living with my brother. And I didn't need to worry about staying away from bad friends because it was a new area. I didn't know anybody. I just had myself to work focus on. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing. So.
0: So you moved out there because your brother was there?
2: Yep. Yep. When I was still in prison, towards the end of my sentence, he told me that he was going to be stationed in Washington with the wife and they were going to buy a house and that if I wanted an opportunity to live out there that I could move in with them for a few months. I put that that in air quotes for all y'all on the radio. (laughs) The reason I say that is because the original, like, It wasn't any like official agreement or anything, but what we had kind of worked out uh, while we were talking was that I'd just go out there for a few months, you know, until I got a job and started maybe get a cell phone and a car and then I'd find my own place. But why would I leave when it was so great? (laughs) My brother, my brother and I still get along super awesome. His wife loves me a lot. I love her a lot. Like even if you have a best friend from high school and you go to move in together, right? Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that you guys might not come out best friends anymore. That's just how life is. Life's a bitch like that. But in this case, we only grew stronger. Like our, we got super tight over the three years that I ended up living <laughs> with them. <laughs> Actually, he moved out. They moved out before I did from their own home. <laughs> That's funny. Because they, yeah, they went military and they got stationed somewhere else. And he just kept letting me rent there. All
1: Were all of your brothers out there at that time when you moved out?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yep. All four of us were out there, which was awesome. Especially in Washington State. It's such a beautiful state. There's so much for, for people to do. Especially us. We're all like similar minded, all like outdoors and all like to be active and Have fun. So it was really awesome for all of us. We went on a lot of uh, brother trips and went snowboarding together quite a bit. So that was cool. And yeah, it was really good quality time, especially like living with my brother. Like that was that was awesome. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Emily actually
0: is considering uh, moving to Seattle slash Portland slash Mm -hmm. any. Where in that area pacific
2: northwest
0: (laughs) so my sister lives in montana so
2: montana
0: i feel i feel called to the mountains (laughs)
2: mountains are they do have a force about them Mm -hmm. that i don't know if some people lack it or not but if the mountains don't call you ask yourself why something's wrong I'm just going to worry you? about that question later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do some
1: self-reflecting later.
0: So then what brought you back to Minnesota?
2: Family. I miss my family, mm. my, mainly my grandparents. The Actually, that's where I'm living now. I just moved back in after my divorce and my landlord kicked me out. Fun stuff. Uh, so I live with my grandparents again on the farm. Trying to help take care of them, they take care of me. It's kind of a win-win for everybody, I think, and I'm pretty sure they feel the same. <laughs> you should ask them. <laughs> I'll call them up. <laughs> but yeah, uh, actually, that was the grandparents. My grandma had she was like my number one support while I was in prison, as far as like mental support mm-hmm. and financial. Actually, she sent me money the most often. Not that it's a competition, but she was she wrote me like within a week of every time I wrote her but, and I, I always saved all my letters so by the end of my prison sentence I had like 3 or 4 inches thick of letters just from my grandma so Aww. I was like you know that's, she cares that's care mm-hmm. I, I heard this in prison too how, uh, there's a question? how do you spell love t-i-m-e give someone your time that's how you prove your love And that's what she did so now i'm trying to repay the favor
1: very cool i like that so i feel like while this all was going on i was hearing bits and pieces from everyone in our family because you know how news travels through a large family (laughs) um but i remember talking to i think it was nate afterwards and he was just like jake is doing so great like i think like after getting out, like, you just had, like, a whole new outlook on life, and, like, you had a bucket list. Do you still have that?
2: I do. I have a physical written-out bucket list that I worked on for the entire incarceration. Like, it t- the the list is a story in itself. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I've got a lot of time to reflect when I'm sitting in my cell, so anytime I just come up with an idea, even if I never do do it, at least it's written down, and if I ever am like, you know what, it's time to... I need something fulfilling in my life. I could go and look at my bucket list, take one off the list and back on track. That's the idea anyway.
1: (laughs) 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 Do you have a bucket list, Emily?
0: Not one that's written down, but I have like certain things like on a mental bucket
1: list. Same. Mm -hmm. I've never actually written it down. I wonder if that would be motivating or not for me. I bet it would. Yeah.
2: I bet it would. And then... Put it somewhere you see every day. Hang it on your front door. So you look yeah, at like every- a vision board. <laughs> <door. laughs> <laughs>
1: so, what's the next big thing you want to check off that bucket list or just next big thing you want to do with life?
2: Mm, I guess what I'm working on now, uh, I got a new job that I really like. Uh, I work at a metal recycling shop. Which sounds kind of grimy, and it is kind of grimy. Based on your shirt. But I'm kind of grimy, <laughs> so fit right in. <laughs> Gives me the freedom to be independent, like work independently, but also a little bit of teamwork here and there. I get to smash stuff at work. So, I mean, who doesn't love doing that? (laughs) And I've got some temper issues. So when I'm having a bad day, it's a really nice relief to be able to go and smash in a car window for no good damn reason and not get in any trouble for it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, you get paid for it. right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That, so I'm, I'm like, this is the first job that I've ever had in my life that I'm like, yes this is it this is where i want to be 25 years from now i look at my boss and (laughs) he's a character but he he's a good dude and and like i feel like if i put in my time for him he'll put in his time for me so i feel like it's a good good company for me to grow in so that's kind of what i'm focused on now as well as like 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 I said, I'm going through a divorce right now, so I'm trying to kind of bounce back from that at the same time. And staying out with the grandparents is really, really good environment for me. Um, because my, like I said, my grandma's always been my number one. Mm-hmm. Getting a little choked up here, sorry. No, it's okay, <laughs> it's contagious. <laughs> I just don't have a heart, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You just don't have tear ducts. (laughs) Maybe that's the real
1: issue.
2: (laughs) I guess that's something that I don't know, not that you're asking, but uh, one thing about prison is like the system took a good kid that made a stupid mistake, and they they fucked me up a little bit. Like I had to to fake being tough (laughs) for like three and a half years. And eventually they say fake it till you make it. Well... Even if you don't want to make it, basically, I was faking it so long that now I am the character I had to portray in prison, which is, you know, you can't be a little soft, a soft little fucking kid that's nice to everybody all the time. You get eaten alive in there. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm out, I feel like it's, it's affected my, like my values and morals and compassion towards other people and I feel kind of ashamed about that because before I was always just like the most forgiving and just the most just the nicest person and I found that I always got taken advantage of so when I was in prison I had to I, I realized that it couldn't be like that and now that I'm out of prison I've forgotten who I was while before I was in prison and I grew a lot for the positive. Like I, I'm a better person now for it. But at the same time, like, kind of sucks that I sort of lost touch with like the original me. And it's not like I wouldn't change the original me if I could. But I want to be able to at least remember who I was and be able to decide like, should I hold on to those values? Or should I hold on to the values that I have now after prison? So that's kind of a battle that I go through pretty regularly. Just t- trying to grow up. I can and make it in the world. It's a pretty hectic world we live in.
0: I feel like it's good that you've recognized that though. And like that's half the battle is just like seeing both of those sides and... Just knowing that you have the choice like you can remember what you were like and like no Now you're a different person, but you can like see both sides and choose your morals and your values That's
2: the problem though. I don't remember who I was when it before before I ever got into trouble like i it's It's like been beaten out of me. Basically. I like I know I you know, I'm still a good person like I I'll give I'll give an old woman a water bottle if I see that she's having trouble. Like I've, That's a real-life example that I've done several times, and that's just one of many examples of what kind of person I am. But it's, it just seems like, am I really a good person, though? Because I feel like shitty things just continue to happen to me. And that's gotten me to the realization that you just can't be, you can't be just a good person in the world yet and and be able to make it you you just it just doesn't work unless you're one of the lucky ones which if that's the case kudos to you share the share the vibes send them my way
1: (laughs) well as someone that knew you for your your, well no, for my entire life because you're older than me um you've always been a good person and like a good spirit and i do think that that probably helps you to be taken that helped you to be taken advantage of just because you always saw the best in people and it's unfortunate that you now have to have that chip on your shoulder and I guess all we, we're all everyone's dealing with their own crap right and (laughs) gotta move forward and but I think it's very inspiring even like the way you talk about it so openly about your experience and just like since day one when I the first time I saw you when you <clears throat> got out you were just like so open about everything and I think that is very inspiring as far as like you're just honest about your journey to being a good person
2: I think that's what everybody should do everybody's so full of pride and arrogance that nobody ever lets their true self be shown for out of fear it's all fear yep people are afraid of being judged or thrown away like tossed aside. Like if you have if you tell a friend something and they disagree with it so much that they don't talk to you anymore, then they definitely do not deserve you. And that's taken me a long time to realize that.
1: I feel like something I'm still coming to terms with <laughs> to some extent.
2: And that's yeah. part of being a good dude and being taken granted for. It's like if if somebody doesn't actually genuinely appreciate you, then don't waste your time on them because It's not, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's a waste of time. And we only have one life. YOLO. (laughs) 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 YOLO. Throw that in there. But seriously, I mean, we only have one life. Why are you going to bend over backwards for somebody that treats you like shit? Mm -hmm. Like, don't do it. You got to be smarter. And that's the tricky thing is recognizing when these people are genuinely like, Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I've just had my own shit. Because like you said, everybody's got their own shit going on. But it gets to a point where it's like if over the past five years or whatever however long time you've known this person whatever person in question and you always initiate a conversation or you always initiate some kind of plans or whatever if you're the only one putting in that work, stop it just stop Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what i've done recently actually with my friend like i found myself just i'm the only one you know i have to text him otherwise we don't talk and so now i just i don't text him and if he doesn't if he wants to talk he can text me Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm not going to be a dick you know i don't have any hard feelings towards him but Mm -hmm. it's just like i don't i don't have time i got my own shit going on Mm -hmm.
0: i think that's really common too like that's just a part of growing up like we all experience things like that and that's just recognizing who who your true friends are Mm -hmm. and who you can really count on
1: yeah i feel like the end of college is where i feel like i learned how to do that like that was like a very pivotal year of me figuring out like okay who are the people i'm gonna make time for now that we all don't live in the same you know one mile radius like yeah
2: because it yeah it's convenient it's easy and convenient when you're that close but Mm -hmm, then once mm -hmm. you start to go your separate ways that's when you see your real friends that was a good good thing you brought that up actually because i was like going to prison was that that, that's what that was for me was recognize like recognizing like damn I thought I had all these friends but none of them have come to see me none of them are answering my phone calls write me letters like these are people who I've sent letters to or tried to reach out to by calling them or third person like hey will you get a hold of this person and just tell them I said hi I miss them try and come see me if they can and I got about one percent returns so i was just like oh okay now i get it mm-hmm. so then like a lot of those old friends i have i've never considered again
1: so before we ask the question we ask everyone i just want to thank you for being so open about your journey again sure. i said it was inspiring but I yeah mean it. we really appreciate you telling your story and I appreciate I you like guys letting me it's a
0: great one and yeah you were just very open and yeah good perspective for someone that hasn't been in it and i feel like it's good lessons for anyone to learn Mm -hmm. and just the story Mm -hmm. because everyone and open
1: your perspectives yeah yeah agreed so the question we ask all of our guests is if you were if you had a reality show about your life what would it be called and why
2: Uh oh
0: (laughs) (laughs) you didn't
1: warn him
2: she no, did. I did.
1: I gave she him did. like a like five days. Nope, maybe not. I think long.
2: I narrowed <laughs> it down to a few. But OK, probably already like the actual title for a movie. So I don't know about trademark. Please don't sue me. But <laughs> <laughs> or us. I think that I I think I would probably call it something like the mirror. I don't know if that's techie or not, but I don't care. And I I would. I would say that because like something I learned in prison, part of what you guys are telling me thank you for is being open and it's not open to other people or like honest to other people. It's being honest with yourself. Um, Someone in prison told me this actually when uh, I was getting into some bullshit. He was like, hey man, listen, you you can do all this other crap to these people, but when you go to bed at night, you look yourself in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth or whatever. And you're going to stand there and lie to yourself or pretend that this ain't like that. You didn't just do something wrong. Like, no, you're the only one that can give yourself a, an honest judgment. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people don't seem to have the capability of actually looking themselves eye to eye in the mirror and honestly telling themselves like, no, nah, man, you fucked up. That's not cool or whatever. Or like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: get off the drugs or whatever it may be, but like. Look yourself directly in the eyes in the mirror and just ask yourself how you're doing in life. Like, are you doing the things that you should? Did you work your hardest today at work? Or did you lay slack off and slip off to the bathroom as so, as it started to get busy? Like, Don't be like that kind of guy, you know? Just, just put in your honest work, be an honest man, just honesty. Why can't we all do that, you know? What if Trump was honest? (laughs) Could you you imagine? Could you imagine? Be a different
1: 2019. It would. It would, yeah.
2: Or any other politician for that matter. Yeah. (laughs) The, The world itself would be so much better if everybody had honesty as their number one value.
1: I like it. The Mirror. I don't think that's a show, is it? black mirror is the show Um, it's different it's not as great as mine no it's not and it's also not a reality show there we go so i like it the mirror awesome well thanks again for coming on and yes we really appreciate it
2: for sure me too thanks ladies
1: and thanks everyone for listening to this episode of floral couch conversations if you're liking what you're hearing leave us five-star review tell your friends or anyone that will listen to you
2: (laughs) you can find
1: us on facebook and
0: instagram at floral couch conversations and our website floralcouchconversations.com and reach out to us at floralcouchconversations at (laughs) gmail.com you
1: can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts
0: thanks everybody bye
2: bye